when they're good and ready. Romans 12. Uh, last time, we're down in this uh, second half of the second section, and uh, the goal this morning is to finish this up, so verse 10 to 16. Um, and yes, we can do that many verses, and uh, so forth. We've, uh, let's just start reading here at verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessities of the saints. Given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. And again, we've been through this, and this, section, this second area here of our reasonable service, and it all has to do with the issue of body life and how we are going to relate to one another. Uh, how, how do we uh, interact with each other? And, and the body life and so forth that's here is, is really now the context as we go from verse 10 to 16. He's going to make quick statements. And the quick statements are a great exhortation, honestly. Quick exhortation. Quick reminders of that outward manifestation of the love that we're to have. And we looked last time at verse number 9, that issue of let love be without dissimulation. And when we talked there about um, love last time, we, we talked about, um, i got to find a verse. Hang on a second here. We t- Let me, I'm looking for a verse. Hang on. Yep, there it is. Okay. When we talked last time, last week in verse 9, let love be without dissimulation. And then in verse 10, but be kindly affection toward another with brotherly love. When we look at the body life, the foundation that it's built upon is this issue of love. And it's not the emotional love that, that, and by the way, emotions are a, a, a part of the deal, okay? So you're not emotionless. You're just, your emotions are under the control of your will, your heart, what you're wanting to do, the Word of God. It's, they're not running the show. Your will, the sound doctrine learned, is what's running the show. So when you think about you know, I had a guy one time, you're, oh, Rick, you just don't like emotions. No, I do like you. I have emotion. <laughs> the Godhead has emotion, but it's not what's running the show. And for a lot of us, men and women, you know, it's like the old blonde joke, but the blonde could be a guy or a girl. It could go either way, see? So when you think about the emotion here, and the issue of love, it's this love that's been built upon an understanding of his love for us, that value, that esteem, uh, that genuine let love be without dissimulation. And what Paul is getting at here is 
in body life, that true love is experienced amongst the members, well, here of Southwest Bible, and then of the body at large, the corporate, but it's that issue that charity is the bond of perfectness. What holds it all together is this issue of love. Now, love and charity are not the same thing. They're two different, you know how you know, two different words, okay? Two different ideas. Paul here is, what he's getting at is we're to have the same love that the Father has for each of us. That same measure, that same honor, that same value, that same worth, that same self uh, that same esteem that God has for each of us, that's the love that we are to, be, we are to have, we are to put on exhibit, we're to resemble, we're to outward manifest to each other. That's why let love be without dissimulation. Let it be the real genuine deal. Don't let it be fake. And we looked last time at the issue of where Paul will say, you're, unfeigned love rather than feign. Let it be the real thing rather than the fake. Because the fake, you can, it's emotion. So as long as you're doing what I want you to do, then what are we? We're good. But the moment you don't do what I want you to do, we're not good anymore. So again, this has to do with a deliberate, purposeful, well-thought-out view that we have of each other. That comes from verse 1 and 2 of chapter 12. And that's why when we started this section of 12 to 16, the whole of the section pens in on verse 1 and 2. That your motivation to present yourselves a living sacrifice is coming from a renewed mindset. A renewed mind of who you are in Christ, sound doctrine learned up to this point, Romans 1 through 11, and that is what's transforming you. That is what's coming out of you. And again, last time we looked at the issue of true love. Uh, hold, hold on, come back over to Philippians 1, just to remind ourselves here of this, that true love, genuine love, again, is a choice of your will. It's not our emotions, because our emotions will choose not to value someone because they have messed up in our mindset, you know? It's like the great thing of, I have a problem with you. Who has the problem? I do. Now, you, you need to hear it, because you can fix it. No, I'm just kidding, you know? But that's the thing. Now, when somebody says, I have a problem with you, I try to usually hear them out because maybe there is something I do need to fix and correct. And I don't know it. Okay? But who's got the, and that's the issue here. Genuine love, true love, not our emotions. But that issue of that renewed mind. And that becomes a sacrifice on our part. Philippians 1 verse 9 and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. And again, that issue there, being sincere and being without offense, that's the real deal. You want to be the real deal all the way out to the rapture, the day of Christ. 
You want to be the real deal all the way. You don't want to be fake. You don't want to be, you want to have that genuine love, but it's a, what kind of a love? It's a mental attitude. It's a thinking process. You're abounding in knowledge and in all judgment. You're approving things that are excellent. You're taking the sound doctrine that you've learned and you're allowing it to transform your life into who you are in Christ. And then that becomes that living sacrifice, that presentation, present your bodies. You're you're presenting, you're outwardly manifesting that life. Okay? Then the issue of charity comes up. And that issue of charity, 1 Timothy 1, the end of the commandment is charity. That's where we're headed. That's where the adults live, okay? The adults aren't over here stuck in 12 trying to figure stuff out. The adults have figured it out and grown them some maturity and have now over here in charity. And charity, we looked at 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, We looked there last time. Come over to 1 Corinthians 8, though. And it's not enough to have the mental uh, attitude, the value system that God would have us to have. It's not enough to have, uh, we've learned the value system. Look at 1 Corinthians 8 and look at verse 1. Now it's touching things offered unto idols. We know that we all have knowledge, okay? So, As touching things offered to idols, we have the sound doctrine learned, don't we? But now watch the end of that verse, 1 Corinthians 8.1. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity what? So it's not enough to have the knowledge. Charity says, now take that knowledge and go do something with it. Edify. Okay? He says, though I give my body to be burned... And have not charity, what is it? Profits, it's nothing, it's worthless. See? What's he do? He went over here and he's offering himself to be sacrificed. Come over to 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12. We have that value system. We've learned it. We are learning it. Yet we're to go do, we're, we're to go sacrifice, we're to put it into action. By the way, you don't sacrifice anything by just sitting on the sidelines and doing nothing. You sacrifice when you do what? When you get into action. Okay? The quarterback for the Cardinals, he's in a lot of hot water, or was in some hot water with his contract and all that mess, and then he got his little feelings hurt because people were telling him he wasn't studying enough. And and you, you know it's true when in the playoff game, They show him standing on the sideline chit-chatting with everybody, and they show the other team's quarterback with his nose in an iPad figuring out what's going on. Okay? So he can boo-hoo all he wants, but what is that? He knows how to play the game. He knows the calls. But he's not over here what? Doing. There's a sacrifice there. It's called counting the cost. Well, for you and I, we've learned the, the doctrine, but if you just sit with it, it isn't impact. Yea, all those who will, what? Live, God, live. That means now I'm over here taking what I've learned and I'm putting it into the details of the walk. Follow that? 
2 Corinthians 12, here's an illustration of this, verse 15. I will verily, I will verily, very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, now watch their response, the less I be loved. Now, that verse gets hammered about a lot, and it's used to define charity, and you can do that with it. But notice the attitude. Paul says, the more I love you, okay, the more you spend me, the more I spend on you. What am I? He's out there doing He's not just sitting here. He tells the Ephesians, I held, nothing, I held nothing that was good back from you. I gave it all to you. I'm doing. I'm practicing. I'm living. Your response, their, the Corinthians' response was, the less I be loved. The more I love, the, the, that action of charity. And their response was to love him less. And you know what he said? No problem. I'm a living sacrifice. Verse 16, but be it so. I did not burden you, nevertheless being crafty, I caught you with, with guile. Did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent unto you? See, I, he goes, I went and did. We were doing ministry from the right proper attitude, and your response is improper but that's okay. He later on, he earlier test told him, I write this not to your shame, but to warn you. I'm not in here trying to get an advantage. So when you come back to uh, Romans 12, where we're at, again, that's, that's the context of the passage. Because what happens is, is what is Paul, hey, let love be without dissimulation. You have to have that. You have to have the understanding. You've got to have the sound doctrine. But now it's time to go put it into shoe leather. Now it's time to go and be a living sacrifice. And again, look at verse 16, 12, 16. The adult will renew their minds. They will, they will become that living sacrifice. They'll take the sound doctrine, learn They'll apply it to the details of life, and, 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 and the cycle begins. But that is, a, that is an unnatural thing for you and I. You know what our nature is? Well, it's why the warning in verse 16. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own. What is our natural thing? Well, look how good I'm doing. Well, what did Paul say to the Corinthians? Did I get an advantage of you? I didn't know. I wasn't doing it to get an advantage. I could have came in and declared and demanded you take care of me. I didn't do that. I preached the gospel type of thing. The doctrine, folks, is not designed to puff you up. It's rather designed to bring you to the goal, to the good of sound doctrine and to the good of charity. So when you're back here now in Romans 12, verse 9, let love be without dissimulation. Again, that's the genuine love, and it doesn't come naturally to us. It has to be learned. 
Uh, just to remind you, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Just learn, because sometimes we get this idea that just because I have a nice disposition that I'm loving everybody, but you're not. It's not a genuine thing. It's not coming from, yeah, it's coming from your heart, and yeah, that's your personality, but that is, that's not what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about there's going to be moments in the body life when you're not going to get along with everybody, and you operating in your flesh, you're going to fail. You have to be operating in who you are in Christ in his love, in his identity, because then you don't fail. When you're over here trying to do it on your own because you haven't learned the doctrine, you're going to cause more harm than good. But wait a minute, Rick, I'm just loving her, and I don't understand why they don't love me back. Well, that's because what you're doing isn't genuine. It's coming based off of human viewpoints. That's why he says be not conformed to this world. You're allowing the world to define what loving one another is. The world says, as long as you do what I ask you to do, I love you. The moment you don't do, I don't love you anymore. That's the world's definition of love. We've seen it here with folks who go, you don't love us anymore, and you know we're not welcome, and all this boo-hooing. And it's like, wait a second. That's not the case at all. <laughs> Just because we don't come up and hug you doesn't mean we don't love you. Because the doctrine says you've got to be here first before you can get to there. What did I tell you? 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians, look at verse 9. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are, notice, taught of God to love one another. How do, we learn, how do we know how to have what is, what is genuine brotherly love? Well, it comes from being taught of God. It doesn't come by a natural, warm, ooey-gooey feeling, you know. We've been watching uh, things about Queen Elizabeth, Linda and I have. And, and, you know, when you look at her, she doesn't seem to be very loving and warm, and that British stiff upper lip thing, you know. But when you get behind the scenes, guess what you find out she really is? Well, she's learned she's got to do this to protect that and to do that, but she yet is still a mother at heart. She's still a grandmother at heart. See, come over to 2 Thessalonians 1. 2 Thessalonians 1. So when you think about this issue of, of love, let love be without dissimulation and then brotherly love, we're not talking about having no emotion, okay? We're talking about having a proper mindset that comes along from willfully, deliberately choosing to think about one another, esteeming others better than yourself. Second Thessalonians 1, verse 3. We're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it, as it is meet, because that your faith may grow, that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Notice the process. The end of the commandment is charity. The commandment in, in, in uh, 
1 Timothy 1 there, if you just turn the page, the commandment is the end of verse 3 that might as charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Well, 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, what's the process? First, your faith has to what? Grow. How does that happen? You're taught. You're learning. You're rooted and grounded. You're being taught by the, by the apostle. You're being taught the sound doctrine. Then what's going to happen? Well, it's going to work because the charity of you, the charity of every one of you all toward each other does what? Abounds. So when you come back to, to Romans 12, when he says let love be without dissimulation, first of all, he's not discounting the, the emotions. We'll see that here in just a minute in the, in the passage. But rather what he's saying is, listen, guys, you need to learn the sound doctrine. That you need to learn the doctrines of chapter 1 to 5. That God loved you so much that he sent his son. God spared not his own son for you. That's how deep he loved you. He died for you. Then he reaches over and you, he gives you his identity. And now it's through the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now it's his life. And he's doing, he's doing this with everybody, all mankind, not just a select few, not just, and man, you get that going and you get that understanding in you and what begins to happen is your faith begins to grow and then that works out to actually a charitable or a beneficial environment for the whole body, not just for the local assembly, but for the whole of it. And that's why in, in chapter 12, the second section is about in our reasonable service and what the will of God is, is about body life. That design, here's how, what he designed to do, verse 3, 4, and 5. We're going to do it in a body concept. Here's the, verse 6, 7, and 8. Here's the, how we're going to have, the attitude we're going to have when we're working with each other and ministering with each other. And now how do we relate with each other? So the context, as we look now, look at verse 9. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. So abhor to that which is evil. Now, isn't there a lot of different evils in the scriptures? Very much so, there is. There's the, the, the evil here and the evil there. And, and he's not talking about any old evil. You know, you walk out and somebody rear-ends you. Well, that's evil. Okay, to rear end somebody. It's just evil. Or is it? See, it's, it's all about what? Context, what's going on? So what's the context that this evil sits in? Body life. Okay? So the, and again, the three major components of Bible study. Context, context, context. What context is this evil? What context is the good in? body life. So when you think about evil, abhor that which is evil, then what is the context here? Well, body life is the context. So there's an evil, there's a system that is designed to cause damage to body life. There's a system of, of, of evil designed to get you to not operate in proper love. For one another. You follow that? That's what he's getting at here. Uh, come back over to 2 Thessalonians 3. I should have had you hold on to it, but 
See, what you have to understand here when we're talking about, the, as we go through Romans 12, these little quick statements, is the context these things are sitting in is critical. Look at 2 Thessalonians 3.3. 3. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Now let me ask you something. Does evil things happen to you? Sure they do. You go out and try to start your car, and the battery's dead. That's evil. It is. That stupid battery ought to last forever. It's evil of that company to make those things only go two and a half years, so I have to keep replacing them. It's e See how quickly evil just can become... But, you know, the great question, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, that's not the evil he's talking about here. What's the evil? Well, what did he just say prior to that? Who shall what? Establish you. You see, there is a satanic policy of evil. There is an evil that is trying to cause you to move away from being established. Not being grounded. To move away from sound doctrine. So when you come back into 12.9, the evil here has to do with that interaction with body life. To cause you to let love be with dissimulation. Not let it be the real deal. Because you know what, you know what happens when you have to be authentic with people or transparent? You put yourself in a very vulnerable position, don't you? of being hurt. So what do you do? You don't do that. You put yourself in a position to be hurt, but you have to be what? Okay with being hurt. And most can't do that. Most put up a little barrier, thin as it may be, to do what? To protect that inner recesses of their fragile ego. ego. That's not true love. True love is hurt me. It's okay. We'll be okay. We'll work it out. We'll figure, and we'll move forward. 12.9. Abhor that which is evil. Man, <laughs> there's an evil that is very, that's designed to attack the body life, not to have the real love. So obviously, cleave to that which is good would be what? <laughs> cleave to the renewed mind, cleave to the transforming, Cleave to verse 1 and 2. Cleave to having the proper mindset, the proper love, the proper charity. Verse 10. Be kindly affectioned one toward another with brotherly love. I love that. Brotherly, kindly affectioned. Now we're going to have some emotion come into the equation. But notice the emotion is coming not first but secondary. Actually, the emotional component is going to run now the rest of the verses because you're going to have that opportunity to do what? Outwardly manifest what's going on inside of you with one another. Brotherly love. I know what they do. The Greek word phileo, Philadelphia, and all that. You know what? That's not really what he's doing here. By the way, they say the first love is agape. I don't know if it is or not. I didn't look at the Greek to see, but... It doesn't matter, okay? It, it, the brotherly love, what is that? Family. Think about a brother. Think about how often Paul talked, calls brethren, brothers. He'll talk about household of faith. What's he talking about? Family, body life. We're a family. 
where he's not talking about, come over, you know brothers can fight, don't you? I got two of them, younger than me. Growing up, we fought. My brother and I, we used to take baseball bats to each other, you know. We were, and mom would come in and we would say, oh, we're just sword fighting, you know. Well, we were sword fighting with a little vendetta, vindictiveness, okay. Well, so he's not talking about, he's talking about more, he's not talking about just come up, oh, kissy, kissy, huggy, huggy. He's talking about that family scenario, the, the family situation. Who should we who should we prefer over anyone else? Family, right? Blood is thicker than water. That's the idea here. Hey, we're, we are to be kindly affectioned one toward another with what? Brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. You see, our, our pull should be to each other. Our preference should be with who? Each other. I think, I'll say this a couple times. I have it written a couple times. I think some of the scariest stuff is when we prefer to hang out with lost people rather than hang out with other members of the body. That's dangerous, by the way, because a little leaven does what? Leavens the whole lump. Now, that's a, so in order, for, in order for me to hang out with you, and you to hang out with me, what does that mean there has to be? There has to be a, a, a level of some sound doctrine in both of us. Otherwise, what are we going to end up doing with each other? Killing each other. Because naturally, what are we going to do? We're going to rub up the wrong way. I'll say something. You'll say something. And the next thing you know, we got World War X going on again. You know? And you know, what, how do we come? We come and we say, hey, look, we should be preferring. It's too bad when we have more help from the lost world than from each other. Because the body life is a family. He died for me. He died for you. Now, our goal is to get the lost to do what? Come join the family. Okay? And I get that. By the way, you don't get away from the lost people. I understand that. And that's not what I'm saying. Don't ever go into a grocery, buy gas from the lost people. How do you know who's who? You know? Because you know they're not going to put a sign up, I am a believer, because what's going to happen? A brick's going to go through the window one day by somebody. What, no, what I'm talking about is that, that, that issue of the one anothering, the issue of body life. Our family is in here. It's not out there. Just, have you ever gone to, well, with... What was the great thing at Thanksgiving and Christmas? You don't talk about politics because half the room likes Trump and the other half doesn't, right? Okay, so but what would you still do? You would still go, wouldn't you? Why? It's family. And what did you do? You didn't just, you just didn't talk politics until that one uncle in the corner gets started, right? Uncle Paul, and boom, there he goes. And now we got to zoom that boom. And you know what happens? You collect your belongings and your children and you leave. <laughs> okay. No, that, but what is it? That's family. You have a different perspective when you look at each other as family. You don't look at them as an interloper. You look at them as someone who belongs. And that's really what verse 10 is after. Your kindly affection toward them. Why? Because they are family. 
They're your brothers. They're your sisters in Christ, your family. Now, verse 11, not slothful in business. Oh, boy. All right, so when you're in business, you ought to be not sloth. You know what a sloth is, right? Real, real slow, you know. But that's not what he's talking about here. What's the context again? Body life. Body life. He's, he's not talking about outdoing, you know, like Keith has a handyman business. Well, you know, you know why he's not going to be slothful? Because his wife's got bills and we got to eat. And he's taking care of his own. So he's not, that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about doing whatever needs to be done. Business. We're not to be slothful. We're not to do stuff slowly. We're to do it with some zeal, fervent in spirit. We're handling the business of the body. We're doing stuff here. What needs to happen? Well, we need this done. Boom, let's get her done. Let's go. We're not, you know, one of the greatest things I, I think about is when, you know, we have, <laughs> I get a phone call and says, they say, Pastor, I need help moving. We, did, we just did this with Lay. I'm like, okay, so you put it out, and Ray shows up, Joel shows up, I showed up, okay? Cause of, and, and I told Lay, I said, Lay, our folks have schedules. <laughs> the whole church ain't coming. But if it could work out, what would have happened? The whole church would have been there. Then we would have been bumping into each other because that little apartment would have been... We'd have needed a two-way, uh, we, we'd have needed a, a, a flag man to slow every, because, but see, the thing is, is what is that? Why do you go do that? that it's, that's what he's talking about, not slothful in business, fervent in the spirit. What are we doing here? We're, we don't do it slowly. We don't do it, we do it fervently. Why? Because we're serving the Lord. We have that renewed mind. We're that reasonable service. What is the will of God for us to do? It's to come over here and to help. When, it, when, when something needs to be done, we get over and help it and help and do. Now, again, if you can't, you can't. And there's not a, but see, that's where that, so if I made a phone call and said, okay, well, we just moved Emily in. Hey, they, they leave and they come back. What are we going to do, you know? But she's a victim of the rent. Uh, increase, can't find a place because of rent, and I get that. So we go over, and Ricky and I, we load the trailer up, and she, does, she goes, I don't have a lot of stuff. Three trips. Two more in her own car. Oh, I don't have a lot of stuff. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. You know, now, one trip was the big stuff, you know, and I got a little four-by-eight trailer, so we're not talking a, a two U-Haul fulls, you know. But the thing is, is if I had put the word out Saturday, what could have happened? A lot of people show up to do, okay? But nobody, but I put the word out and nobody came. What's my reaction now? See, what, you didn't love me, you didn't come? No, my reaction is what? We still got her moved. Because what's happening on your side, I have no control over. You know, you have stuff going on. You know, doctor's appointments, rebuild this, do that. I, I don't, but I needed the help. You weren't able to help. My attitude isn't, well, you don't love me because you didn't come and help me. No. 
my attitude is, is I was glad I could ask for help. See, follow that? That's verse 11. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Wow, the big three. Woo, here they are. Now, by the way, before we look at that, look at verse 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Let me ask you something. Is it possible for one brother to persecute another brother? Verse 14 says, yes, it is. So what are you to do? Well, you're to do verse 12. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. What are you to do? Verse 14, you're to bless and what? Curse not. You can't do verse 14 if you're operating in your flesh. You can only do verse 14 if you're operating in verse 12. If you're operating in verses 1 and 2. You follow? See? So, and by the way, when someone persecutes you, your emotions quickly get involved, don't they? You get hurt feelings. You do. It's natural. It's normal. But they're the ones that are not in control. What's to be in control? Being conformed to the sound doctrine, the renewing of your mind. It doesn't say don't have, because, by the way, verse 14, if you're persecuted and it says bless and what? What's the tendency? Don't bless them, but curse them out. See, that's, by the way, that's an emotional response, they call it. See, verse 12. What if your brother hates you? What, what are you to do with that? What are you to do with that? We, 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 we are to take the divine perspective that we have. We are to put on display that renewed mind concept, the sound doctrine. You know what? We're not to be victims. A lot of victimology today. A lot of victimization today. Oh, I'm a victim this. I'm, no, you are not. What are you to do? You're to rejoice in hope. You're to be patient in tribulation. You're to continue instant in prayer. You may hate me, but I don't have to be a victim to your hatred for me. Okay? You may not like me. I don't have to be a victim to it. I can come and do what? Rejoice in hope. I can continue in tribulation. I can continue in prayer. I can have patient, be patient in tribulation. Hope. Boy, that, that's an answer to the, the dysfunction, to the hatred. I'm choosing to rejoice and hope when it comes to body life, relationships. Hope. Boy, we all have it, that future expectation of that wonderful event of being called home, absent from the body, present with the Lord, that whole, we have it. Where am I to rejoice? I have it, you have it. Let's rejoice there and who we are in Christ. Patient and tribulation. Come back to Romans 5. This one you've, we've already seen. Romans 5, you know exactly where we're, you should think, you should know where we're going. Romans 5 verse 3. You see, Paul's not telling you anything he hasn't already 
communicated to you. That's why I keep telling you, it's sound doctrine learned. If you haven't learned Romans 5, you don't belong in Romans 12 trying to do your reasonable thing over here. You need to get back in Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 and learn the doctrine. Reckon it, count it to be, make it yours. Let it transform you. Let it renew your mind. And then we can worry about the reasonable service aspect. 5.3, what does he say? And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also knowing. See how, we got to learn this. The tribulation, what? Worketh. So when the tribulation comes up, where should my mind go to? This is to work it out. I can take this. That's why I said, I, I'm, I am, I don't have to be a victim to you and not your, your hatred. Why? Because I can take that and turn it and have it to work patience. Patience, experience, experience what? Hope. Oh, there's the hope. See, I, what can I do? I can take the tribulation. Come over to chapter 8 of Romans. I can have a completely different view now of troubled in the relationships in the body of body life. We have folks who come in, they sit, they study, they get mad, they leave. People say, well, I wasn't mad. No, you got mad about something and left. You allowed your emotions to move you away from the sound doctrine. By the way, most of the times they leave without a conversation with me, so I, I'm, just, I'm just going based on activity. If you don't have a conversation with me, I can't help you. I can't fix whatever might have hap- be wrong. But I sure enough can't help you. Look at Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall, what? Tribulation. Hey, you, we're not to view life as an enemy. What are we to view at verse 37? Nay, in all these things, the things in verse 35 and 36... What are we? We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And then you finish it out, verse 38 and 39 there. Life's not the enemy, folks. That's God's view. So when you come back to chapter 12, can there be tribulation in body life? Yes, there can be. How am I supposed to think about it? Where does the tribulation come from? It comes from the flesh where it comes from it comes from pride uh, cometh before the fall you're going to have trouble in the flesh that's where it comes from it comes from not being not doing chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 it comes from being conformed to this world having the world define for you what needs to be your definitions when we are that living sacrifice We don't panic. Rather, we rejoice in hope. I can enjoy that restored relationship with you. By the way, there is specific doctrine that is intended to restore the relationships between members of the body. I'm to continue in prayer. Prayer, talking to the Father. Pray without ceasing, right? Pray evermore. 
what are we doing? We're talking about, how do I, Lord, how do I take this and deal with him or her? How do I take this and deal with that? I can rejoice. I can be patient. Man, when you can rejoice and hope, you can be patient with other members. I can live in that privilege of being instant in prayer. I can live in that. I can come along and I can say, you know what? They can hate me. The more I be loved, the more I love, the less I am loved. The more I try to help you, it's rubbing, it's beating a snot out of your flesh, you hate it, then the more I can, it's okay. Verse 13, Romans 12, 13. Distributing to the necessities of the saints, given to hospitality. Again, that interrelationship with members of the family. Come over to Galatians 6, if you will. Galatians 6. In verse number 10, necessities, the needs of the saints. When you read this, you read that word necessity, you go to the commentators and they all talk about the, receive, the, the necessities of people. But this isn't just anybody. These are saints. Here for a long time, we had a food pantry in the back. It was an internal thing because at the time we had folks that needed the help. When COVID hit, it was really needed. Actually, it wiped it out. We just never replenished it because it it's easier to go buy gift cards to the grocery store than to keep stock and uh, keep up on uh, ex expiration dates on cans of uh, veggies. And then folks can get what they need and, and so forth. Necessities, the needs. Galatians 6, verse 10, as we have, therefore, opportunity. I love that. Because that's what Romans 12, I don't know that you need it unless what? You're here. We interact with each other. We're talking with each other. And you say, hey, I need. That's why in Romans 12, in a minute, he's going to say, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. There's no way to do that if you're on the other side of the camera. I don't... It's right here. There's no way to do that if you decided, I just don't like Rick today and I'm staying home. I can't help you. We can't help one another. We can't help each other. Keep reading Galatians 6.10. Let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So when you think about distributing to the necessities of saints... Again, you're, you're out doing, you're, you're, you're here, you have body life. And again, we're into that emotional connection. Okay, there's that component here. Go back to Romans 12. And then he says, given to hospitality. And again, that, that issue of taking in, taking care of. Titus 1, he talks about the elders there, the bishops, and, and that they... They're lovers of hospitality. Now, some are better at it than others. I give you that. I'm okay. You know, we have a little sign in our house that says, don't, don't mind the mess. We're raising twins. So for a long time, we just never had it folks over because what does it do? Puts undue pressure on mom to keep the house clean. 
Why would I, as husband, why would I do that? Well, you're supposed to have us over. Really? Where's the verse that says I'm supposed to have you? Well, you're supposed to be a lover of house. I do love hospitality. Your hospitality. <laughs> okay? I'm just kidding. But the thing is, is there at different stages, you can do it a lot easier. But what, what do you still have? You still have the connection. That's the point. By the way, he's not talking about going and eating lunch at Chili's on Sunday after church. That's not hospitality. Hospitality is bringing them into your home. Okay? That's an intimate thing. Verse 13. Distributing to the necessities of saints, given to hospitalities. Bless them which persecute you, and bless and curse not. Again, we're not to... We're to keep, verse 14, folks, you have to keep your emotions in check. Because when the trouble comes, the natural response of you is to lash out. The doctrine never teaches you to lash out. The doctrine teaches you to rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continue in prayer. Okay? Verse 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. And again, the emotional component here. Weeping, rejoicing. I won the Powerball. Woohoo! Yeah, everybody, everybody now. We'd have the church packed. You know? He won the he won the mega millions. Yeah. Seven hundred or what is it? One point three billion. Woo, billionaire. Woohoo, here he comes, you know. No. You rejoice. What are you usually rejoicing in? The small victories, the small details of life, the small things, the milestones. I told the guys when we reached 20 years here, that's a milestone. You, you celebrate that. Not so much celebrating Linda and I, but you celebrate the church because you set milestones. We should, probably should have did 25 years. I wasn't thinking, but 20 is a big one. 25 50 is a big 40. You know, you just pick the milestones. Why? Because you got a coming, you got a generation coming up that you, you're setting the precedent of, hey, we acknowledge the milestones. We are going to rejoice. Do we not rejoice when we learn of people who come to understand the word rightly divided? Yeah, we rejoice when they are part of us. And weep with them that do weep, weeping, crying, sobbing. Man, it's a struggle when things fall apart. July 25th, 2016. How long ago was that? Six years ago. Lisa Gerhardt. Yeah. That last Monday? Last Monday. Lisa Gerhardt event happened. Killed her kids. I read back through my journal. You know how I know that? Because I have a constant reminder on my calendar. Because I don't want to forget it because it's a pivotal point in an hour history. It's tough. It's like, whoa. August of 2012, <laughs> Brian passes. Why? Because we have those milestones. You have them. There's a weeping there. There's a come up and hug and just rem- a remember. But not a 
fall to pieces under, see. A, hey, you know what? It happened. I, I, I think about the thing with Lisa, the Gerhardt. It happened. We've made it through. And we came out stronger on the other side. Rather than it happened and we're still falling apart. It doesn't mean you don't have the, the tug at the heart and the emotion, don't, okay? But rather, I'm not going to be afraid of the emotion. <laughs> Why? Because I have that emotion under control. Follow? Okay? But ultimately, body life requires that interaction of, of each other. That's why when COVID hit, that was such a devastating thing to a lot of people, a lot of local churches, when they couldn't meet. Some of them have never come back. They're all online. They're Zooming it. And it's like, no, you got to come back. No, we can't because of this and that. Then leave. Get where you can. Civil disobedience. Do it anyway. You know, they're like, what? <laughs> why? Because you have to have that body life. There's a, that's why this is the first thing that he does about reasonable service is about body life. Verse 16. By the way, your emotions can be an enemy when we allow them to exercise authority in your life. Or they can be of great benefit when you have them under the control of, under the authority of the renewed mind where you have his life and his love being developed in our and your life, when it's his value system occupying your thinking, occupying your value system, then that emotion is a great thing. That's why Paul could say, be angry and sin not. Anger, man, anger is a wonderful motiva- motivating emo- emotion. Okay? Some were so angry. Well, anyway. All right? Verse 16. <clears throat> By the way, that verse 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. You know, you can weep differently and you can rejoice differently when you're being, being motivated by sound doctrine, motivated by a renewed mind. It, can, it, it gets deeper with you. It tugs at you deeper. Why? Because you're invested. Because it's you. Verse 16, be of the same mind one toward another. Boy, what a warning here. What a reminder. Be of the same mind one toward another. If I'm minding the exhortation here and you're minding the exhortation, you know what ends up happening? We end up duking it out to see who can do what to each other first. And boy, what a place to be. You know, the little acronym, joy, Jesus, others, you, you know, always diving to be the bottom guy. Man, when you're doing that, what better harmonious activity in body life can there be? But that isn't always the case, does it? So he says, mind not high things. But condescend to men of low estate. Verse 3, he says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think according 
as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Boy, you need to condescend to men of low estate. You need to be diving for the bottom rung all the time. You need to be Philippians 2, esteeming others better than themselves. Look not on the things of yourselves, but look on the things of others. Be not wise in your own conceits. What a mindset we're to have. We're to have that Philippians 2 mindset, the mind of Christ. We're to look at things a little different. Again, the context here is body life. Starting in verse 17, the context is going to change to the lost, to the world out there. And again, we're looking at what is my reasonable service? What is the will of God concerning my reasonable service to the body, the church, the body? Locally, but also corporately, the group. It starts locally. The exhortations here, very clear. We need to be what? Be very careful. Because what happens is, is we get to strut in our stuff of I know better than you know, rather than, hey, I need to have the proper mindset. Okay? So next week we'll start in 17 and we'll spend four weeks going through. No, we won't. We'll, we'll, we'll hammer down through, hopefully, next week the end of the chapter here because it's the it's the next section on God's will concerning my reasonable service but now as I interact with the the lost and the great exhortations there to have and to remember and to have be a part of our lives as we're renewing our mind as we're presenting ourselves at living sacrifice okay all right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your Son, for the all spiritual blessings, for the completeness, and for the ability to have a body life amongst ourselves that's well-pleasing unto you. In your name we pray, amen. All right.